We're sitting again in my rolling bin of a car, and I'm sitting with Sam, who is from RCK. Sam, can you tell me what's your role in RCK, and what does RCK do? Okay. Uh, well, um, my role in RCK, I'm one of the founders um, that set up RCK back in 2015, and my role is, yeah, caretaker, overseer, supporter, and general volunteer um i'm a chef by trade so um, a lot of my focus is around the food and the kitchen and the equipment and stuff like that um but really in rck there's um you know so much to do in terms of you know back-end stuff um you know administration fundraising um emails and also then there's the driving and the maintenance and the you know the general cleaning and the cooking and so i do a bit of everything Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so RCK, just for anyone who doesn't know, is Refugee Community Kitchen. And your cooking meals, uh, we're actually outside the kitchen at the moment. It's a stainless steel furniture palace, basically. <laughs> and uh, you're cooking meals for hundreds, thousands every day in Calais and Dunkirk. Mm-hmm. How did you come to set up RCK? What was the? How did you come to the idea that this was something you needed to do? Um, well, I mean, it's... It was something that we talked about for a bit as a, a small group of friends. We were, there was four of us old friends that had known each other for you know many years. Obviously, one of the founders is is my other half and um, the mother of my children, and so you know we're we're partners in life. But um, yeah, Janie and Steve also very old friends through the years that we were really um, thrown together through the kind of free party scene and you know putting on parties and uh, you know setting up in a field or setting up in a squat I was doing a lot of squatting um, when I left home and all these sort of skills came into very much very useful really um, when when we um, set up the kitchen in this warehouse now when we came down um, we'd obviously been seeing the sort of crisis unfold and thinking that we'd like to do something we felt compelled um, to do something and we kind of talked about it enough and it was kind of time to kind of give ourselves a deadline of coming to do it so we did which was sort of late August um, 2015 and we set our set our sights on getting an operational uh, kitchen of some sort before or by the time the winter starts to get really brutal because um, we knew there was many thousands of people in the large camp back then it was around six and a half seven thousand people when we first came and our initial idea was to come to the camp and set up on the camp as a field kitchen and collaborate with the people the residents of the camp and make food which was you know that felt like home to them and and get their skills and their their recipes and and make it happen and bring the food and so we came in september and october and checked out um the situation and soon realized that there was a few quite a few um, projects happening on the camp in terms of um, providing food as well as um, shops and small restaurants making you know kebabs and lovely curries and stuff but there's also many people not you know not going with food and didn't have enough money and so sanitation and security was a big issue and so on one of our tours, we came to this warehouse here in Calais, which had just been acquired by Auberge de Migrants, which is a, um, a French refugee charity to support, you know, the people in this area um, run by locals. They're all from, from this area, all born and bred from this area. And that's they've been going for over 10 years now. 
and they'd acquired this warehouse to do non-food aid you know and uh, shelter building um you know shoes clothes um sleeping bags and stuff like that and so we asked them if we could have a little bit of the warehouse and set up a kitchen and a, and a food hub to receive food donations so we could ideally help more people so we could support the kitchens which were on the camp and and take food to the camp and the you know the satellite camps which are all around the main one and we called out on our social networks and our friends and you know the free party um scene and uh, our broad network of of people and they called up to their people and, and and so on and so forth and so it gained quite a lot of traction quite quickly um in terms of support so we had a tent and we got a couple of double sinks and we put in a gas main and got some gas bottles and bought some burners and and you know all of the um, industrial catering equipment that we could that we could afford at the time and um, we started cooking on the first of operationals the first of December 2015 and here we are we're 2020 in February and we've been cooking every day since then so with 20,000 people through our doors in our kitchen alone and well over a hundred thousand people through the warehouse where there was has been many different charities uh, and projects um supply you know supplying shelter clothing advocacy support for minors women's center um, youth projects so lots of stuff so it's been a it's been a hive of um activity and uh, and kindness really and thankfully you know support keeps coming must be still coming because we're still here which is you know is is testament to you know there's a, there's a lot of um, kindness and goodwill uh, in the world and certainly within the networks and um, social uh, circles that we've been calling out to it's been it's been a life-changing experience for me and actually most people that come to um, volunteer here i i was actually chatting earlier on to otis from project play mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he and everybody he knows kind of turned up and volunteered with RCK at some point. And I think everybody that I've met in across Cali and Dunkirk who's volunteering has at some point seemed to have come through RCK's doors. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal place that, you know, and anybody can turn up and just chop vegetables mm. and that will be making uh, a positive difference, mm. which I think is remarkable. So how many, do you know roughly kind of how many meals you're putting out at the moment what's the situation at the moment that you're providing for do you know the stats yeah the stats at the moment it's quite high for this time of year um it's, this is the highest um, um, amount of people um living in the field uh for the last two years and we're providing about 1500 meals a day it's you know like an early dinner it's around dusk we um we serve just before dusk um and that's in calais and dunkirk we do hot meal um once a day um, and then we also provide dry food like beans, rice, oil, you know, canned foods and fresh vegetables to people that in in the same areas that have got um, squats or, you know, smaller camps and stuff like that. And they've got provision to cook. Today is a day that is the biggest output, actually, because we also do a thousand meals to Brussels. which So we, we drive out to Brussels. So uh, our Thursday output is like twenty five hundred. And um, you also meals. do some bits in, in, in London at the moment and in Correct. various other places. Yeah, a couple of years ago, you know, we, we were obviously overwhelmed with, you know, the, the momentum and um, goodwill and, and kindness coming from the population, mostly in the UK, but from all over the world. And so we wanted to do something 
on our streets because they're people that are kind of being forgotten and marginalised and it's hard for them to have access to good food. So we've got a couple of um, outreach projects in... Um, we've got one in Camden, uh, one in Hackney, one in Brixton and one's just started up in Edinburgh. And that's um, groups of volunteers that have come through our doors and want to do something again in their local area. So it's generally local people doing stuff for... Um, local homeless uh, community um, and it's not just the people that access our distributions we don't say how homeless are you we feed without judgment that's kind of one of our um, mottos and you know a lot of them we have OAPs that um, you know struggling with their pension to you know choose between a good meal and you know their heating and, and electricity and stuff like that um, and they also get a modicum of you know social interaction which can be you know really valuable and so we um, endeavor to um, distribute on the at the same time and the same same day of the week um, as regular so we, we create a bit of security and uh, a bit of community that's fantastic and so you've talked a little bit about the situation in in London and for and why you, why you might be providing food there. And so just for, for anyone that might not know much about the situation in general, how come RCK needs to be here? How come you're providing food every day for this many people? What's the what's the situation as you see it and why are you still here? Well, <laughs> well, like I said at the beginning, when we started, it, it was just to get um, some of the resources and you know the the richness from our societies and our communities to to communities that didn't have it so it was a it was a form of relief and support and solidarity um for people you know that are living you know rough um but also being marginalized and treated um you know in a inhumane way which we disagreed with and felt that um you know offering support through food and um and kindness through solidarity was something we were compelled to do because we from a society which has a lot it's very opulent um almost in fact definitely excessive you know uh, 95 percent of the food that we provide in the uk is all from from waste and excess food networks stuff that's been sitting in a in a um, logistics warehouse doesn't even get to you know the shop and it's short dated and it has to get incinerated or thrown away and so um that happens all over the world and so there's people suffering or in food poverty and um, having to use food banks or um, not good access to nutritional um, good food but yet we're throwing it away by the thousands of tons and so this is you know um, you know it's not it's not a solution to those ills and and that dysfunction to our economy locally and globally um, but we feel very strongly that, you know, um, spreading some kindness and some consideration uh, with the resources that, that we can is um, is an important endeavour. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really interesting point. Um, I talked a lot with Maddie the other day about how the kind of government response here is this is a localised issue. But I think everybody else here is kind of talking about this as it's part of a massive global issue mm. and the whole food system in the world seems a bit I mean you know you sound like you know a lot more certainly than I would but yeah it's a really problematic system that we have that doesn't seem to work very well do you know what uh, if anything the government is providing here because 
presumably in a society this this opulent we should be able to provide for people and mm. and yet it's left to grassroots organizations like yourselves like people like yourself turning up and being like hang on a minute what can we do here mm. i'm curious as to how you view the situation as a whole here thing is when 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 you're dealing with issues of mass migration and issues of overproduction and constant expansion you know you're, you're getting into very kind of base fundamental aspects of economy um for us as a global society as a species um and there's big big um deep complex questions there which we could go on all night about um but on a local level you know there's obviously there are obviously um plenty of good people within the governance in you know central and local government but there's also lots of people that um have a lot of disdain and uh fear and um disregard for the people coming through here now most people um without actually knowing the sort of the statistics will think especially if you're reading the tabloid newspaper in the uk for instance that there's a horde of people here that are trying to get to the uk to get your girlfriend and your job and your and your you know your benefits and steal all your services and stuff like that but the issues of why people want to get over to the uk are, uh, are varied and complex and you know i'm not going to get into all of them but, but they're all very real and human and understandable but it actually represents less than 0.1 of a percent the people that come through here of the the 100 percent of people that are in europe that are trying to search for refuge so it's a very small percentage really and so the government do provide uh, there are some showers there are some water points but those were fought for they had to go to the high court of of europe by the grassroots organizations so this is strange kind of reversal where you're having normal people that are holding the government to account to force them to give basic services to human beings that are suffering that's wrong it's the wrong way around it's, it should you know that our, our governments should be the parents and the elders and the people that you know are considering all the needs of people within within their um jurisdiction within their area and so the fact that that's had to happen is is obviously there's something not right there which is why you know we're keen to um keep on um, bringing that support um but we would love not to have to be here at all and so um, Macron came here a couple of well about a year and a half ago now and saw the situation and said well we have to give some food support and so they do give food support it's a bit half cocked and the, and the, um, in terms of a lot of people don't get to access the services and the food's very poor in terms of nutritional and cultural re- relevance for the people but it is accessed by some of the population I, you know, I said we're doing about 1500 meals at the moment talking to all the different organizations like the woodyard that going out in the field and the amount of food that we do there's probably in dunkirk and calais areas about two thousand people that are sleeping rough about yeah we're committed to carry on because we can and it makes a difference um we have had dozens of refugees ex-refugees that have now come back from finding finding you know their life um, and getting their passports living in the UK or living in Germany and they've come back to volunteer with us and, and they've shown their appreciation of the difference that all of the projects here having kindness offered having consideration offered 
by strangers essentially from a society which they're trying to engage with trying to trying to find refuge in was was life-changing and they thanked us and were all in tears quite regularly when that happens just because it's really nice to to feel the the positivity that this type of support gives and it's not just our projects all the projects here it's projects that are helping the kids it's projects that are educating people it's the projects that are bringing some cheer just the consideration the love and you know thoughtfulness for for um other people that are in need is incredibly potent thing and if something if globally everyone engaged with that we would be a healthier species for sure i think i think that's a really powerful way of putting it and the only last thing i'd like to ask is if people want to find out more about rck mm-hmm. uh, or if they want to get involved where can they do that okay so um if you want to get involved um just check us out you know online we've got a website refugee community kitchen our email is refugee community kitchen at gmail.com um we were obviously on all the socials and instagram and um you know twitter and uh what's it called facebook and yeah check us out there you can find you know all of that information online very very easy we've got a, a fairly um s- significant presence online a vast majority of of the support and people that come um come through you know the social um media kind of platforms so please check us out come for a day come for a week you won't regret it that's brilliant thank you so much sam is there anything else you wanted to talk about and just get across for me personally it's been it's been a life-changing thing and i didn't realize when i started to engage in humanitarian response work what what change it would make in me but i realized you know from all the of the volunteers and the feedback that i get from the volunteers as well as the positive feedback from our beneficiaries and the refugees is that we are hardwired you know to help and to be in service to to our fellow um, human beings and that's often lacking you know in our in our daily lives and so it's very nourishing and uh, encouraging to come and help and it doesn't need to be like well once you've helped then you have to do it all the time you can dip in and out it needs to be sustainable it's not about you know abandoning your life and going into you know wholehearted service all the time but you can engage bit by bit in your own terms and it can be a world changing uh, society changing act so come um <laughs> it's it's worth exploring the 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 world of of some some service to to people that um that can do with it so yeah that's it <laughs> thank you very much thank you very much for your time thank you Cheers. perfect <laughs> <laughs> cool.